Welcome to Peak Flow, where we optimize human experience one breath at a time. With us today in our MRV TV studios here in Mad River Valley, Vermont, uh, all the way from Stowe up the road, we have Charlotte Bryn. Charlotte, welcome. Thanks, Rob. It's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me to join you and have a bit of a chat today. Oh, I know. It's so great. It's so great. Um, you and I met at a Wim Hof workshop, and then I had the great privilege of attending for the first time this past weekend up in uh, the Northeast Kingdom in Newport the uh, on Lake Memphremagog, the annual ice swimming festival, which we, we've got to talk about that. But, but before we do, I just have to, I, I don't often do this, Charlotte, but um, I'm just going to read a list of, your shirt says it all, swims, just a few, uh, that you have, have done here, Marath marathon swims. Lake George, Atlantic City, Manhattan Island, Catalina Channel, Length of the Lake Memphremagog, Lake Champlain, Skinner Island, Lake Willoughby, several Lake Willoughbys, Lake Massawippi, uh, Ile, Ile Ronde, I'm guessing that's French, Ile Ronde, Circumnavigation, Ile Long Balance, Boston Light Swim, Alligator Lighthouse Swim, Bridges to Bluffs, Swim Around Charleston, 15-mile border buster, 15-mile border bumper. Like, you, you've been busy swimming. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and um, oh, it makes me just excited hearing those names because, um, well, first of all, you might have might have guessed, I really like a bit of an adventure. Yes. Kind of keep violet inside. And I really quite like history. And um, before I either um, sign up or research to do a swim, I kind of like to read a little bit about the history of it, who's been there before. And um, it just, you know, it helps me visualize and actually enjoy the journey. So, um, and we can talk about some of those, but, you know, just briefly, Skinner Island, the reason I did that was an 18 mile swim up from the USA into Canada. And the reason I did it is I read about this island that had a hidden cave. And um, I'm like, well, that sounds pretty exciting. I wonder if the cave's still there. So <laughs> a couple of buddies and I boated up and we found this cave, which had been um, in, back in the late 1800s, it had been covered in, in vines and it, and it was hidden. And essentially the short story is there was a smuggler called Uriah Skinner who um, in the prohibition would take his rowboat up to Canada, loaded up with whiskey, lace, and um, silverware for the farmers, wives, for the, you know, maybe they were having the whiskey too. And um, the customs official were desperate to catch him and they chased him to the, that island and he hid in the cave. And um, it, uh, unfortunately, um, they found his boat and, and nicked off with his boat and left him there and actually died in the cave. Oh, and I was like, I think it'd be pretty fun to find the island, yes. swim to it and then escape. So, so a lot of the swims I do have a little background story. Um, and some of them are just big marathon swims that are kind of a, a little um, checklist for me to go and adventure on. Oh, I love, I love it. How, so, so first of all, like to define what it is you do, you don't just swim long distances. You, you swim long distances in really cold water. Like that's part of your gig. Right. So, right. so how did you get into all this? Well, um, so I'll, I'll give you um, just, I guess it's it's helpful for people to understand what, um, what marathon swimming is. Please. And a marathon swim is uh, a swim of 10 kilometers, 6.2 miles or longer. And um, so my longest swim is 32 miles. 
And um, so that would be termed an ultra marathon and um, right down to six miles. And um, for most of marathon swims to be certified, you're not permitted to wear a wetsuit. So I think that's a common misconception that you're out there with a few layers of neoprene on, but it's um, you're permitted uh, a one swim cap, a pair of goggles and um earplugs if you choose. Uh, you're not permitted a watch uh, or any other things that could be um, flotation or warmth retaining aids. No watch. Yeah, no, no watch. Um, wow. Yeah. And that's quite a mind thing in its in itself. Yeah. So it's very raw swimming. It is mm. you it's you. Um, and although it is a team sport that you have a crew supporting you, it's it's essentially your engine that gets you from one end to the other. Um, so it's quite mentally quite challenging uh, as well. So um, I got um, I got interested in I, I'd long been a long time runner and um, I grew up swimming. Um, I, I actually this is my first experience with swimming. My parents were away on a little holiday and I'm from New Zealand in New Zealand. I was two and a half and we were at some hot sulfur springs and they had some pools there and the family was off. We were all off doing something and I wandered away on a wee adventure <laughs> myself to the pool and um, I essentially disappeared. Well, they found me um, essentially bobbing up and down in the pool and somehow at two and a half I'd figured out how to be submerged kick myself up to the surface tip my head back just get a little air and then I'd sink down again and um so that was my first um <laughs> that was my first uh first interaction with water and then uh, at five my parents knew I was a wee fish and they bought me a a summer pass to the local pool, which is a 50 meter pool by alongside a beach in New Zealand. And I ran there every day before school and just played in the water. Wow. And uh, yeah, so fast track through the running. And um, I actually did a, signed up for a two mile cable swim um, over uh, in Lake Placid. Really enjoyed it in 2009. And it was uh, New Year's Eve, and I was like, oh, I think I'm ready for a bit of a new goal. And I looked around online at some swim options, and up popped the English Channel. And I thought, oh, that looks like that'd be good. And uh, I strategically um, ran it by my husband, um, New Year's Eve, when we'd all had a few drinks. And uh, good thinking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and um, then uh, went about um, taking the steps to get prepared, and um, a big part of that was the cold water. Mm. And uh, and so, um, you know, I, I must start by saying I've done over 65 marathons, wow. and I have um, had um, quite a few DNFs of the English Channel. It's one that I haven't nabbed yet, mm. and it's been a tremendous um growth of me as a uh, as a human and it spared me on mm. to do a lot of these other swims mm. um some of them as or if not more challenging yeah dnf do not uh, did not finish yeah yeah, yeah just for folks who are like damn it um yeah how, real quick how long is the english channel one uh the english channel is 21 miles and, and it's a, a kind of a burly 21 miles yeah, it's um, it's got um, tremendous currents in it. It's mm. got um, cooler water. It's got cool. Well, they all have a lot of them have cool mm. water temperatures too. Mm. And um, it's like any time you're uh, working in with Mother Nature, mm. it's an open environment. And um, 
you know, I think we strive to spend our lives trying to be in control. And the reality is we don't control everything. And when we're out in mother nature and taking on an adventure or an athletic feat or some goal, whether you're deciding you're going to hike the long trail, what you can control and plan for is uncertainty. And so in my training, not only for the English Channel, but for all my swims, and it translates into my life, is having A, a um, tolerance for failure, um, B, being aware that there are going to be changeable conditions, and the only thing you can um, control is your own reaction and mm. getting prepared mm. for the possible things that Mother Nature is going to toss at you. And mm. that might be... Um, it could be a hurricane. It um, might be an unexpected wind change. It could be an early change of current and tide. Mm. And if you've never swum against, uh, against a current or tide, um, you can be standing still. And if you're not a strong enough swimmer, you're going backwards and you're making negative progress. And um, when we have an expectation that we'll go forwards or we're going to get somewhere in a certain amount of time, it takes a huge amount of mental strength to get your head around the fact that, okay, I've just lost a couple of miles ground. That's okay. I'm going to put my head down and keep going yeah. hour after hour. Yeah, we're fond in the peak flow universe of the term hormesis, hormesis, which is voluntary stress regularly applied to build resilience of body, yes, but also mind and spirit. And it seems like what you're talking about here, Charlotte, is like mental and spiritual hormesis. It's like that, I like swimming in cold water and going backwards for miles. Like that just sounds like hell. <laughs> But you're saying there's actually once there's something to that. Uh, there, there, there definitely is. I mean, when you, um, you know, when you, for many of us, um, a failure mm. or finding something hard, it's an opt out. Mm. That's too hard. I couldn't do that. And and really, what it is, it's a regroup and an opportunity. Mm to embrace and focus on your weaknesses. Mm. I think we get as humans to zero in on those things that we flourish at, we mm. feel good, mm. we get acknowledgement, mm. we like. Mm. And, and um, you know, the payback on those is not as great as um, selecting a goal or something that you might have to dig in a little harder to achieve. Mm. And, um, it's a lot sweeter sauce uh, at the end, but it doesn't come easy. You know, it's a, it's, it's a common term. That highest mountain gives you the best viewpoint. Oh, gosh. It's a yeah. struggle. And, and, and I'm not talking about something you've got to work at for a couple of weeks or a couple of months. So, you know, my, my journey is a lifetime journey. For my open water swimming, I'm 11, 12 years in. And I love the people I meet. Um, some of the swims, many of the swims are incredibly painful. And um, I've loved the journey on focusing and being grateful for what feels comfortable, but not being afraid to be uncomfortable. Mm. Because if we want to make forward progress as humans, we're going to have some discomfort. And I think we've, um, we've done a really good job as a society as, as making things pretty comfortable for us. You know, how, you know, for many of us, our houses are warm. You know, we've got good, you know, 
cozy comforters on. We don't willingly put us out into, let's say, what you saw, 30.5 degrees Fahrenheit going for a swim. And it's one thing dipping, you want to add in a top effort into that where we've got a high heart rate and we're coming into that, that um, finding that sweet spot of performance zone. It's such a fine line and you don't get it overnight. You got to mm. go exploring. Okay. You got to put the gas pedal down. You got to figure out how much. Oh, that was too much. <laughs> and, uh, and in marathon swimming, when the gas pedal's too much, you know, you're talking 20, 25 miles. So when you're practicing to get better, you got to do the thing multiple times. So mm. There's, you know, we all know how many times we can repeat it. If I'm going for a mile swim, I can do that pretty frequently. You know, for a marathon, you're not going to do that um, every week, although I have done that. Um, but that's another story. Mm. Well, so I've, I, I'm cur- I want to ask you about your training regimen. So, so we're up at Lake Mem from Agog, and w- w- my wife and her dog and I are there, and we're watching, you know, human after human just get into the water and swim one, two, in your case, eight laps right 25 meters in, in the water and you know a lot of a lot of them are making it look easy um i've run marathons i've never swum a marathon how how do you go about training not just for a swimming marathon but for a cold water swimming marathon can yeah. you can so, you explain how that works yes definitely so uh there's there's different components so when you're dealing with a marathon uh you've got um the most obvious thing is your uh cardiovascular conditioning mm. So there's number one, you've got your stroke technique, you want to be as efficient as possible. Mm-hmm. If you've got good stroke, te- or stroke technique, that's also injury prevention for mm-hmm. shoulder overuse. Mm-hmm. So you've got those, those main physical things. So looking at the physical side, so um, I began um, building up slowly. And uh, back in 2010, I set myself the goal of building up to 40,000 meters a week. And uh, so essentially a marathon a week. And it took about, it took about, th- it took about three months and I was dog tired. I was dog and, tired. And where were you doing this training? I was doing it in the pool. Yep. In the pool. In stone. And, yep. yep. At, the, at the swimming hole. Yep. Get up early, just figure out how to fit it all in. Wow. And um, so then it's a matter of you're trying to adapt your body physically to that extra pressure. You're working out your nutrition so you're well-fueled. You're balancing your sleep. You've got your family time and your professional life. And it's all about finding that balance. And I, I had young kids at the time too, little wee nippers. And so uh, it took about six months for me to adapt to the point where I wasn't tired all the time. And now my, my, um, my set point's 40,000 meters a week. That's just what I do. And, and how many hours a week is that? Uh, so it depends on your speed. Um, so I'm probably um, about 12 to 13 hours. In the pool a week. Yeah, or in, and blend into the open water in the summer. And so I'll use, it'll be a longer swim on my day off. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'll do... Um, 12 to 15,000 meters. So that's four to four to five hours on a day off. And um, so I get a chunk of it uh, done in there. And um, yeah, it's good fun. Yeah, so a, basically in. a half a day of swimming. Oh yeah, it's, it's a great time. <laughs> that's fantastic. And so, so there's your, there's your, um, there's your physical adaptation mm. and it's just, it's, that's business as usual for me. That's what I do. Yeah. And, you know, within that, you want a balanced, healthy body. 
So you don't want to decide that swimming's going to be your thing, yet your spine is slowly curling over because you haven't done strength training mm. to support your skeletal system, mm. be well balanced. Uh, so I, I, I'm a big advocate of strength training and rolling in some flexibility in there. Mm -hmm. So um, that's a little routine that for me is maintenance. Uh, I feels good. I like to be strong. It's mm. good for your bone density. And... Um, uh, so that's a physical, that's a physical aspect. And um, then once you've got that component sorted out, um, when things aren't frozen, you're translating that to longer swims in the open water. Mm. So, you know, building from a two mile to a four mile to a six mile to a 10 mile and so on. Mm. And um, so that's all what I would call a very... Um, stable environment you're not worrying about water temperature current storms and then so your next thing is okay well the next variables that mother nature is going to have a go at you with is the temperature and um, currents and waves so it's picking those opportunities and rather than loading them all in the toolbox together you're going to get one skill at a time ah. and so so um, so cold water started, um, they, you know, it's recommended to start that in the fall as the temperatures start to drop. Mm. You continue submerging and slowly it gets colder and you're adapting as you go. And it takes a few seasons. Um, I'm, I, I'm not there. <laughs> there's, there's, there's nothing normal about what I do. I did that backwards. And uh, I got in in the spring when it was cold. Of course you did, Charlotte. Yeah, it's just the way I go. <laughs> and um, and it's, it's not about bucking, bucking the, uh, the curve at all. It's mm. just who I am. And, um, but what I can tell you, it's short submersions. And it's being in an area that you're comfortable, you have someone with you, you can touch the bottom. Ah. And the first thing is just getting into the water and letting your brain catch up mm. and letting it, um, you know, focusing on relaxing that breath. Um, you, you know, your subconscious brain is, is really saying you're going to... I was going to, you know, you're going to die. And you're overriding that. I'm fine. I can touch the bottom. I've got warm clothes um, on the shore. I've got someone there to help you. And then slowly stretching that into swimming longer and longer distances. And then learning your boundaries of um, what is going to send you into a permanent popsicle state and what you can sustain and get out and dress yourself and um, go about your way. Amazing. And are you doing a lot of this training in Memphremagog up in the kingdom, Lake Willoughby, in addition to the swimming hole, which, by the way, does have a does have a 50 meter um, uh, pool. It's a quite a quite a nice facility. Yeah. A beautiful 25 gorgeous pool. Is oh, is it, 20, is it 25? 25 meters. Oh, 25 yeah. meters. That's, you're right. Not yards. Right. 25 meters. So I, um, I started doing my cold water training. Actually, I suppose it was when I was a wee nipper in New Zealand because all our lakes are glacial. <laughs> it was always cold. And uh, I, you know, I never really understood that. There was a, <laughs> I knew there was a glacier going yeah. into the lake. But, yeah. You know, that explained why it was so cold in the summer as well. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, I, I grew up in colder water and um, we just thought it was pretty usual to be kind of shivering a bit when we're swimming. And then um, uh, fast forward to being in Vermont, um, Greenwater Reservoir is a, a fabulous oh, place to swim. Yeah. There's no motorized boats up there. Right. It's uh, fantastic, um, beautiful. Uh, I've done some the swimming in Waterbury Reservoir. I'll tend to do that um, more in November, December when the boats are gone and the snow's come out. 
um, there's good access down by the boat ramp there. And I just remember one oh, year, I think it was last year, year before last I went down there. It was early December. It was snowing. I was down there with a buddy and we had the car parked right by um, the, the boat, the boat ramp. ramp. Yeah. Yeah, and I always tell myself, well, look, you know, I'll just do five minutes. Well, 15 minutes later, you're still out there. It's in the, you know, upper 30s, snowing. And uh, my buddy got out. And then um, I was like, oh, I'm just going to take one more lap out to the point. That's another classic me. I'll just do one more lap. And then I saw someone down on the shore and I'm like, oh, crap. Um, Because what's challenging is people want to talk to you because they're fascinated. And then when you come out... It's not a whole lot of, you know, it's really hard. <laughs> Plus it's snowing and there's a wind. You've got, uh, yeah. you see, you, for me, I've got two minutes to get dressed before my body temperature really plummets after drop. Right. So when I get out, it's like, you know, full on concentrating on getting dressed and getting in the car. Yeah. So he's out there kind of lurking around. I'm pretty sure ready for a chat. And I'm like, well, I'm not getting out now. Yeah. And so I ended up. You had to keep swimming because you don't want to talk to anybody. Swimming. I get swimming. I'm like, I'm just going to wait till he's, he's done. Yeah, it's oh, pretty funny. Man, I, should funny. Be, I, I should be thanking him, whoever he was, because I got a pretty good quality swimmer. Yeah, he's day. helping your training, you know. Yeah. Yeah, he, ah, really, yeah, he, he, really, he really was. And uh, so that's the um, that's a cold water component. I, tra- I traveled over to Ireland and did uh, a couple of swim camps over there where the water is in the uh, low 50s. And uh, I was really fortunate because they have quite rough conditions over there. And, uh, you know, there's really not quite that constraint of um, getting a group of people out and perhaps some conditions which mm. may not be offered in the U.S. in a group. And we've uh, yeah. um, got some nice heavy swells and currents out there. And uh, then some of this, the stormy water I've been in has just been straight accidental and it's been great. Well, right. And as you said earlier, it's like you, nature will deal what nature will deal. And, uh, right. Yeah. So amazing. So the other thing that struck me, um, well, two things, Charlotte, about the, the Mem for Magog event that you were participating in, most of the swimmers were women. Yeah, they like, were a lot of women. Like the they? vast majority. Is, is that kind of the way this global community of ice swimmers rolls, or is it sort of equal numbers of men and women? Or I don't, I don't know what the um, statistic is of it. Mm. I mean, certainly at the weekend, there were more... Um, women swimming there mm-hmm. and there's a good amount of really um entry level and accomplished male swimmers as well and that's mm. um you're not the only one to ask that and it's an ongoing conversation on that yeah it's fascinating but, uh, because you know yeah. a lot of these sports tend to be male dominated but not not this past weekend <laughs> it was fascinating no yeah. and and the woman you know i mean we stand out like we, you know, it's not always divided between mm. um, male and female in events, and the women are competitive. Yeah, it was it was fun to see that. Um, yeah, Kate and I were both commenting on that. And then, can you say a little bit about like the global community of humans who do this? Because that was the other thing that was so fascinating. It's like this is an entire subculture of humans that clearly yeah. are way into this. So um, it's here's pretty much the simple answer to that is. <laughs> The, nothing simple about me. The, the water embraces everybody. Mm. And um, the water doesn't um, care if you're, um, doesn't care about your age, doesn't care about your percentage body fat, mm. doesn't care about your gender. Mm. And um, 
the, the, this community is so embracing and welcoming mm. and you have people of all um, professions and experience and it's a sort of community where newbies or those new to the sport are just we just mentor people that's mm. what we do because mm. you know when I when I started there, there wasn't a huge lot of resources that you could go look up and um, as I started getting into it you know and I did too we started writing blogs and sharing mm. what you'd learned because you know you um you, if it takes you 25 miles to learn something, share it with someone else to help them not go through the same thing. So if I told you about the community, I'd say it's extremely supportive. Mm. It's um, comes with all shapes, sizes and experience and um, everyone's embraced has been my experience. And that's why I like the sport so much. Mm. Um, And you, and it's one where you, you um, improve with age. Is that right? Yeah. Smarts counts. So you accumulate wisdom and then you deploy that wisdom and it makes yeah. you it makes you yeah. more competitive in a sense. That's fascinating. Yeah. And and you know, some sports, um, in some sports there's that um, rivalry between athletes. And in open water swimming, and even in swimming, you want to be around someone faster than you. Yeah. Because you feed off them, you yeah. gain from them. I, uh, I, I, and it's not that, oh, they're faster than me or they're this. You you want to be around those people. I totally sense that in Men from Agog. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. All right, so I've been dying to ask you this next question because you yeah. brought it up at our Wim Hof adventure. Shark. Shark, yeah. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> All right. You got to tell us the shark story. Okay, here comes the shark story. So um, in 2013, well, in 2012, I um, failed failed at the English Channel. And um, I've, I've had a couple of swims in it, and uh, I've come within um, just actually less than a mile of the French coast. So um, very, very close. I could wow. see the shore. And essentially, the... Um, the short story is my breathing got labored and there was the fear of I had water on my lungs and they said, Charlotte, it's time to get in the boat. And I'm like, no, nah, this is sure I'm not getting in there. And one thing you agree to as a swimmer is if your crew calls it, you're done and you've got to get in. So I, I got on the boat. And um, so that was one of the DNS, but in 2012, I failed the English channel and I'm like, right, can I have a crack at something else? And I signed up for the Catalina Channel. And the Catalina Island is off the mm. Californian coast. Yes. And this was 2013. I went back to my training harder than ever before. I spent more time in the cold. I swam harder, got faster, all those things. You you um, you study where you could improve. And um, off I went to California. And this swim is... Uh, 21, 22 miles, and you motor in a boat from San Pedro out to um, Catalina Island, and you start the swim at midnight. Well, my boat got there a wee bit early, so we actually started more about 11, 11.15 mm. p.m. Mm. And um, you have a light stick on the back of your cap and the back of your suit so the boat can see you. And I had a 45-foot uh, boat beside me and also a kayak in the water. And everything's pitch black. And at the uh, start, I, you know, I'm like, well, you know, where am I going to start my swim? So when you do a marathon swim, you have to be out of the water at one end and clear the water at the other for the swim uh, to count. Okay. So if I finish and I've got a foot in the water and that's it, my swim's not done. Wow. 
So I, um, they point out the island, and as I'm about to slide off the boat into the cold water, getting my head around swimming through the night, the, uh, the boat guy said, oh, by the way, the rocks are sharp on the island. Don't cut yourself. And so off I go, maybe a couple of hundred meters into the shore, and um, they're, they're shining a, a spotlight on the shore, and I go under this boy line to get towards it and then I just feel like a sharp pain on my knee and I'm like oh you know when someone said don't do something yeah, yeah I'll cut myself yeah. so I'm like well Soviet so now I've got this cut on my knee and uh which I didn't think that much about you bang yourself and I didn't I didn't know if it was open or whatever it was going on with it I get myself onto the shore stand up clear my arms, the horn blows, and it's time for me to start my swim. And I'm excited, right? I've come off a, 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 a do not finish the year before. I'm pumped. I am going for the mainland. So my head down, I'm swimming strong. And uh, you in um, marathon swimming, I swim the first hour straight. Then I have, after that, every 30 minutes, I take fuel. And that, for me, is a liquid feed. Mm. For some people, it's other food types. Mm. So I know I've got an hour straight. And I remember I said, I've got no watch. So I don't know what the time is. So as quickly as I can, I internally focus or, you know, all I hear is my breath because I have earplugs in and it's just inhale, exhale. And I use that breath to get into a rhythm and relax my body. And if anything's cold or not feeling good, I've got this kind of what my little my little way to do it is I'm going to focus on what feels good <laughs> so you know if my feet are cold my earlobes are warm and uh, so that's how I manage it so on I'm going and I, I like to take the time to acknowledge how beautiful it is out there and there were there were quite big swells that night um, but that's kind of fun rolling with the ocean and um, I'm just I'm I'm just pausing for a moment. Oh, not as I'm still swimming, obviously, but my brain's going. You know what? You are the luckiest Kiwi in the world. You're in the USA. You are doing a marathon. You've got all these people supporting you, and it's happening. And just let's appreciate this. And as I swim, appreciating it, I felt something that felt like a freight train shunt into my body and it just my whole body went sideways and I'd like to say that I thought oh my what was that but it wasn't it was more um descriptive <laughs> in a cursing type of way yes. of what the what the yeah what the beep was right. that and um it felt like someone had taken a piece of lumber with nails on the end and smacked it on my side mm. and it was so sharp and as I'd come off I do not finish and I'd train myself don't stop don't stop don't stop I kept swimming wow. I just I kept I just I couldn't my brain couldn't understand what had happened mm. so I'm like just keep breathing keep stroking and um Whatever it was, I knew I didn't want to stick around to find out. And so I took a few more strokes. And when you have a new experience, your brain, I find my brain tries to identify what it was. Mm. You know, something, I've, an experience I've had before. And I'm like, I must have been hit by the boat, right? What else could it be? Yeah. So when I went to breathe, I viewed to the side. 
and um, the boat was way away. Like this, the swells would like pick up the boat and the boat would be gone and right. then it would pick up me and I would be gone. And I'm like, okay, you know what? My kayaker must have smacked me with a paddle. You know, I'm a pain in the ass sometimes. <laughs> so they must have given me a little. And then she was a ways away. And I'm like, okay, so it wasn't the boat, it wasn't the kayaker. And then I'm like, I bet I hit a tree. You know, sometimes it's like down tree. I bet I hit a tree. You know, that makes sense. And then I'm like, hold on, Charlotte, you're in a couple of hundred foot of water. There's not trees down there. And so I decided that I would settle on the fact that it must have been a mutantly large jellyfish upside down that was so big when it hit my side, it like just shot through my hip. I mean that, and then, and then off I swam because I was also cold. I was hungry, and um, you know I had other stuff going on. And now I've got this throbbing hip, and um, so I kept swimming. And then the first hour comes along, and I get the lights from the boat signaling me it's time to feed. And um, I come in to feed, and as that's happening, my kayaker tipped out of her kayak, and I'm like. Oh my god! You know, I'm my, I'm, I'm that person that wants to, you know, help everyone else. I'm like, oh, you know, what? Well, we just got to share a ride. And so the boat stopped, and I'm sitting there. And now, one thing about I'm a leaner swimmer. I get cold quite quickly, mm. so I, I can't hang around and like I can't hang around and tread water. So. I swam up and down the length of the boat while they pulled her out and got her in, right. and. Um, and I never said anything. And I'm like, well, what am I going to say? Something hit me and it hurts. And I tell you what, I wasn't going to do, I wasn't going to get in the boat. Because remember, I just failed the English right. channel. Right. Like, not getting in the boat. You get in the boat, it's over. Yeah, yeah it's over. Yeah. It's game over. Right. So, um, so anyway, I'll speed it up here. So it hurt. It isn't just no, mm. it hurt. Mm. So I swam another 11 hours. The water temperature dropped to the low 60s. And um, I started to slow down about a mile from shore. The currents shifted a little bit. Mm. And the uh, observer, there's someone on the boat that's checking on your health and well-being, called me in and kept asking me questions. And if you're cognitively, um, if you get so hypothermic that you can't cognitively answer stuff, um, they know it's time to pull you out. So they would answer questions about my kids and different things. And I was so proud of myself because I'd staged all the answers. I'm like, you know, what's your daughter's name? Heidi Bryn, where do you live? I live at Stover Mont and I'm thrilled. And then they called me and they said, it's time for you to get in the boat. And I'm like, are you kidding me? So I get in the boat and my swim's over. I'm a mile short. And I just got off the English Channel a mile short. So um, we go back to the shore, and, I, and I'm melancholy. I'm down. Mm. You know, I, I just, uh, I was, you know, not crying, but I'm just internally within myself going, okay, mm. it's a regroup time. Mm. Get in the back of the car, and um, at this point, my bathing suit's off. I've got a pair of sweatpants on and a T-shirt. I'm in the back of the car, and I, I tend to have a wee giggle regardless of what's going on. My two crew members are in the front, and I just can't get comfortable in my chair. And I, and they're like, oh, will you pipe down back there? I'm like, oh, I see my hip really hurts. And I just, I just don't, oh, I just feel really achy. And, you know, if you swim 20 miles, you are going to feel a little achy. But this yeah. was particularly. And as I'm squirming in my chair, my sweatpants slide down. And um, because I've whipped my suit off, you know, hypothermic, I hadn't put underwear or anything on. And yeah. there's on my hip. And I'm like, hold on. I said, I've got holes in me. And they're like, 
what? And I'm like, I've got puncture marks in me. And that we all start laughing. And then they're like, You're look, you've been up 30 hours. Right. You're just You're delirious. Why don't you think of that? So um, so then I'm like, hold on, no, wait, hold on. And then it's like and I'm like, there's something sticking out of it. And then out comes a little tooth. Come on. No way. And I'm like, and I'm like, I lean through between the seats and I'm like, does this look like a tooth to you? And then we just roar with laughter. I don't think much of it. And I'm like, what the crap? And, uh, and so, <laughs> so um, anyway, the next day we went down to uh, the little aquarium in uh, Manhattan Beach and showed her the, the little hole and the little tooth. And she's like, well, it looks like a five to six foot, um, five to six foot you know, a shark or big fish or whatever it is, you know, and she's like, and I'm like, well, look, you know, mate, it was dark. I didn't get a look at it. We didn't switch phone numbers. I didn't say, hey, friend me on Facebook. <laughs> right. We didn't call our insurance companies. Right. No. And, uh, <laughs> and I said, and, and actually, I mean, I swam another 11 hours. This That's poor amazing. thing had to go down to the bottom of the ocean to his buddies and say, you should have seen her. She was like made of titanium. I lost <laughs> It's amazing that the teeth yeah, so, came off in your body. Yeah, wow. so that so that the quick finish up of the story is being me, um, I had to go back and do the swim again. So I spent another year preparing for the Catalina Channel. I got on the same boat and I went out at midnight in the dark to the same spot. And I was sitting on the swimmer platform at the end of the boat. And I sat there for quite a long time. And um, I could hear the boat crew saying, I don't think she's going to go. I don't think she's getting in. And so I slid off and I swam to that island and I put my arms up to start my swim. And I swam for 10 hours and 30 minutes and change and completed the channel. Oh, what a great ending to that story. That, that is amazing. Well, and it, it, it's so, it so perfectly illustrates your point of earlier, which is like, this is all about building, building resilience through failure and then success with any luck. That's amazing. What an amazing story. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, having swum in the ocean since I was a kid, I, I, I don't know how you put that tooth coming out of your body out of your mind for your next swim but you did it and that's that's amazing um, and I, I i know where you know I'll, I'll make this quick but on that second swim i had a great swim there were dolphins everywhere mm. um the boat stopped and said you're only 200 meters from the shore and i could see it i could see, and i'd seen the shore on other swims mm. and i hadn't landed them and i could see mm. it and I couldn't let down my guard. I'm like, yeah. you know, I'm not on the shore till I'm on the shore. Mm. So I swam in and there was quite a bit of surf. And um, I'm like, I'm just going to coast in like a seal. It's going to be amazing. Well, I went in and the surf broke on me and it thrashed me on the beach and I held onto the stones and then the surf pulled me back out 20, 25 meters. Oh and I'm gosh. like, so I did it again. And this time I landed on sea urchins and they plowed into my hands and my yeah. knees. Uh. And the surf pulled me out. Mm. And then the final time I gave it everything I got and I got onto the shore and I crawled up, cut all my legs open and I'm trying to stand up, but I've still got a foot in the water. And of course I haven't completed the swim. So that foot's dry. And there was um, this amazing fellow working landscaping at some sort of resort. And um, he didn't, I don't know that he, he, he tried to come and help me. Mm. And if he touched me, my swim would have not 
would have been an incomplete because oh you can't be assisted. Yeah, can't be assisted. And so I've lost my cap. I've got hair everywhere. Um, and he's coming to give me his hands. I go, I'm like a crazy woman. Keep away from me. Don't touch me. <laughs> and that's how the swim ended. It was pretty fitting. That is unbelievable. Well, well, Charlotte, Brenda, you have opened up a whole new world for us at Peak Flow that we didn't even know existed. And um, thank you for taking some time this morning to share some of your amazing exploits. We have to have you on again. Um, <laughs> I, I have so many more questions. And uh, so I hope you'll I hope you'll be amenable to that. Um, Absolutely. Well, thank comes. you for having me. Yeah, you bet. Um, and uh, enjoy the rest of your winter and the training. And I'm sure we'll we'll be talking soon. Sounds great. Thanks, Charlotte. You've been watching Peak Flow, where we optimize human experience one breath at a time. Our very special guest today, Charlotte Brin of Stowe and Lake Memphis, Magog, Vermont, originally of New Zealand, uh, open water ice swimmer, marathoner, extraordinaire, and survivor of a shark tooth. Uh, thank you so much for watching, for listening, and we'll see you outside.